Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember as well as the show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app. We keep you up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Now I'm kind of joined this week by Tech Central editor Niall Kitson uh, because Niall is very bravely sick but through the magic of telephone we're able to talk to you at your your uh, bedside and your lamps up and your laptop, so you're still kind of working, aren't you? Yeah, well, this is this is the travesty of of our modern world. If you've got broadband, it doesn't matter if you're sick; you still you can still work. So yeah. this, this is where technology has led us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you're sick? No problem. You can still work. Oh, you're on holidays? No problem. You can still work. We can get you yeah. everywhere. All right. Well, listen. Let's uh, talk about the uh, pretty much the one and only story in tech world this week, which is the launch of the Falcon Heavy. Did you watch it live the other night? Uh, I did not, but that's a very interesting choice of Bowie song you have because it's not actually the Bowie song that is being played in the car as we speak. What? Which one is it? Because I was trying to think, is it Space Oddity or is it Starman? And Starman is the one I remember hearing the other night. Yeah, no, it's Space Oddity. That's what he's going with. Well, there you go. I'm going with Starman. There you go. If Elon Musk can, <laughs> can, can just make his own decision, so can I. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, why why would why would you pick Space Oddity? Because that's all about a spaceman who got uh, trapped in space and died. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it's not terribly uplifting when you think about it. <laughs> but listen, but, uh, speaking yeah. of uplifting, I have to say I was watching it live the other night, and I missed, as I'm sure many of us did, July the twentieth, nineteen sixty nine, uh, when the first man landed and stepped on the moon, and the excitement of that. And this is the closest thing I have gotten to then. Just the sense of excitement you can hear in the control room is amazing. Listen to this. T-minus thirty seconds. Just hear that massive cheer from people going on. Sure, the electricity one. in the room. Fucking heavy. Go for launch. And. Then they do the countdown and everybody joins in. Six, five. Glued to the screen, engines are on, puff a cloud. And then the sheer noise of those 27 engines as it's lifting off over Cape Canaveral into the deep blue sky heading for space. I thought it was amazing. You probably because you because you're not a science person, you probably are not a space person. You probably didn't even watch the highlights on YouTube or even on Sky News, did you? I, I but you you know what? There's probably a bunch of guys in NASA going, "What a bunch of jerks!" Yeah, I bet you they probably are. Like you know, because Elon Musk went around and he did a whole marketing campaign on this, which I thought was absolutely genius, uh, and calling it the biggest rocket in the world, which it isn't. Asterix, uh, the ones that put the men on the moon are slightly bigger, but it's the biggest commercial rocket that has uh, ever been launched. And then I thought it was genius. They launch the rocket, they get into space. They kick off the hood, and what's the payload? One of his red roasters' cars. 
which I might add has got its own live YouTube feed at the moment. So if you want to see it spinning around in space as it orbits the Earth or, or heads away from Earth uh, towards Mars or the asteroid belt or wherever the heck it's going, uh, you can uh, you can see it live. But uh, I have to say, I'm I'm really impressed uh, where I think this has kind of ignited the whole space race again. Are you getting? Are you okay. getting a feeling like you know we're starting to talk about you know going back to the moon? We're starting to talk about putting you know some kind of a base on Mars, whether that's manned or unmanned. Um, we're starting to talk about all these things again, and I missed out on all that in the sixties, and I'm like super excited. Yeah, well, it, it is really interesting because the space race is no longer uh, a state concern. It's not, it's not like about the US trying to keep up with Russia. I mean, those days are those days are kind of gone. We're looking at private interests going in and going, actually, you know what? There's probably some really interesting minerals on Mars that we can't get over on Earth. That could be really useful for something. So that's, pro- you know, that's the, the next, for want of a better word, frontier for space ex- exploration. You know, it'll be mining and natural resources, <clears throat> True, I believe. But uh, also at the same time, there's some ego behind what's going on there as well. You know, this thing did not launch probe. It launched a car with the dummy inside it playing David Bowie for eternity. I wonder what the royalties are like on that. Oh, I'd say the royalties are probably massive on that. Oh, and don't forget, Douglas Adams is going to get royalties as well, I reckon, as well, because on the dashboard of the car, there's a big sign that says, don't panic. Well, well, that's sage advice anyway, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But it's an incredible, I mean, those rockets are uh, amazing when when you get into the numbers of them. I mean, it's uh, 27 engines on the thing or whatever. But the fact that they had two booster rockets and those boosted, this is the bit that really, more impressive than the actual launch, was the booster rockets separating from, from, from the main engine and then flying back to the launch site and then landing perfectly vertically. That was like, yeah. wow. Now that... I think that's the moment. That was the you moment. Know, that's, that's up there with, like, the first space shuttle coming back, you know, <laughs> sort of proving the concept that, you know, here's something reusable. True. Uh, so, exactly. Yeah, that's my two cents on it. And then, uh, the, the, uh, I mean, the payload is, is is amazing on it because they quote all these numbers. They kind of go, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, whatever, 1,400 pounds or 64,000 kilograms or whatever. Essentially, because I was looking up because I'm an aviation head as well, uh, essentially that rocket can carry a fully laden 737 jet with cargo, suitcases, passengers, fuel, the works. There you go. Do you know, that's ever so slightly moonraker-ish, you know? Just <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. But the other thing I have to give Elon Musk and what I really like about him uh, was that he's a big thinker because uh, listening to interviews uh, afterwards and he's talking about Mars and if you think about space or whatever and the rotation of the planets and they're not always close and it's not a set distance between the two planets. You've got to work it out in time ways and all that kind of stuff. And at certain times of the year, Mars is closer. And I love Elon Musk's thinking. He says, well, the plan would be that when Mars is at its closest and we can make the journey in 30 days, what we'll do is at that time we'll launch a thousand rockets. <laughs> All travelling at the same time. And you think that's ridiculous. And then you think, that makes so much sense. <laughs> you probably think that I've completely lost my mind. <laughs> no, okay, right. I can it tell from the so silence. <laughs> because, because you will get... Well, I mean, it's it's colony in a bag, really, isn't it? 
Uh, yes, uh, I, I suppose it is. But if once a year we're launching a thousand rockets at, uh, at Mars to bring goods and, and people and uh, whatever, I think it's just amazing. I love the whole thing. But anyways, I thought that it was just an amazing week for tech and so many things and so many thousand people and such a big step. And I know it's been done before by governments, but for the you know the first time for something this big to be done by a, a, a private company or a private entrepreneur, I think uh, was amazing. And I just had to share it with you, even if you are lying on your man flu deathbed with your lamp chip and your laptop. <laughs> but I, I thank you for your time and effort. Uh, don't worry. And, and we send our prayers and we hope to have you back fit and healthy in the studio next week. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Now, if you're a small business owner, you probably have a lot more to worry about than just doing the darned accounts. So Auto Entry is a new thing. It's an Irish company that are looking to bring together artificial intelligence and mobile technology to make life easier for entrepreneurs. Now, this is way more than just an online account solution, which makes things a little easier. The whole concept is amazing. Niall Kitson went and met its founder and CEO, Brendan Woods, to find out more about Auto Entry. So, Brendan, I guess to start talking about auto entry, um, I think it's a really interesting application of machine learning to a, a very sort of um, unpopular task, I, I guess, for people running their own small businesses. Um, so tell us a little bit about the product and how it works. Um, yeah, so auto entry, I suppose, as the name suggests, um, our, our goal is to automate data entry. Uh, in the context of bookkeeping and accounting. So bookkeeping and accounting is something that has to be done. It's a statutory requirement of businesses, um, but it's not really or usually the, the, the core skill set of uh, the business owner themselves. So the business owner might be a plumber, they might be a shopkeeper, they might be a bookshop owner, whatever it might be. That's what they do and that's what they're passionate about. But the side effect of running that business is that they also have to do all the bookkeeping and that can be very laborious very time consuming particularly if if they're not particularly competent or feel sure of themselves in in, in, the, in doing that um, so auto entry was designed to automate the capture of all the information and the, the relevant information from all of the documents that they receive whilst running the business and take the relevant pieces of that information and put it into the accounting software so in real terms that means things like bills so you're running a business and you get your ESB bill, you get your Vodafone bill, you get all sorts of supplier bills and so forth. Or if you're out and about um, and you're entertaining clients or you're just traveling salesman type thing and you're buying fuel and you're buying, you know, food on the go and that kind of thing. To be able to capture all of that information from the source documents, i.e. the bills and receipts, um, as you go and not have to type them up. And have a system do that somehow automatically for you was was what we set out to do. So that's what AutoEntry does. It just allows people to, using a mobile app, take pictures of bills and receipts. So if they come out of the SO and they take a picture of, the, of their fuel bill, AutoEntry will be able to extract all of the text from the picture of the document uh, and figure out which pieces of text is relevant to go into their accounting software. And it'll also connect to their accounting software and send that information in. Um, they could take a picture of a Vodafone bill, for example, and extract the, the supplier's Vodafone, the invoice date, the invoice number. It'll extract not only the net tax in total, but it'll it'll identify that there's two different tax rates in play, possibly. So, for example, the Vodafone mobile phone contract will have a 23% VAT portion, whereas if they're paying for insurance on their iPhone or something to Vodafone as well, 
insurance doesn't carry any VAT, so they'll no, it'll notice that some of it is, you know, part of the bill that has no VAT attached, and then it'll capture all of that information, including the VAT summary, and be able and be ready to post that into whatever accounting software they're using. So the first time that happens, they might have to tell auto entry, okay, the 23% VAT portion of that bill, I'm going to send that to the telephone expense account. And and the 0% VAT portion, I'm just going to send that to the insurance expense account. And then auto entry will say, okay, fine, do you want me to remember that for next time? And they say, yeah. And what happens then is next month, they get another Vodafone bill, they pull out their mobile phone, they take a picture of it, they can throw away the paper, they've got a, a photographed image of the source document, that gets uploaded to auto entry from their mobile app, we extract all the data, we know that the 23% portion goes to telephone, the 0% portion goes to insurance, it raises that pur- purchase invoice for the business within their bookkeeping software, and it also stores the image of the document that backs it up. So if they're using cloud software typically we can actually send a, a copy of that image into the bookkeeping software and for those people who may be using desktop software like sage 50 um we would store the image in the archive of their auto entry account so that you know at the end of the year if there's any spot checking where they want to see oh can i see the invoice for that they can just do a quick search for maybe the amount or the invoice number of the supplier and it, within you know a second or two they're going to have a document an image of the document that backs up the invoice they've just raised. It also means they don't even have, it's a digital filing cabinet. They don't even have to have, you know, racks of filing cabinets to store all those invoices. Um, and, and it saves time when you go looking for invoices, uh, you know, from months ago and you spend 10 minutes standing at the, at the physical filing cabinet. Well, now it's just a, it's just a search that takes a couple of seconds. I think that the it's quite interesting that the primary input really is is the camera, and that sort of um, presents a, a pretty unique challenge when it comes to actually deciding whether something is a receipt or an invoice. Um, when you're starting from you know the basic, you know this is the first time you're using this. Are there sort of um, is there a preset understanding within the program that recognizes oh? this is what a general invoice looks like or this is what a uh, you know a receipt from the local centre looks like you know uh, is there sort of an ability to recognise a logo uh, and then sort of have a, a almost a template on file there that you you know basically fill in the blanks mm. well it's not so much yeah it's not so much a template but it does use certain uh, bits of information that it can gather together to help you know um pointed in the direction of a cluster um so which i suppose you could kind of say is a template but those clusters using machine learning will kind of self-derive themselves um so how we actually capture the information is we actually have like several different approaches rather than just one simple way of maybe you know if if it says this then do that we 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 have a number of different approaches because we'll have like a rule-based approach we'll have a statistical approach we'll have machine learning approaches and then they can all come up with their best guess of what is the invoice number from this document and then you know um, we can we can then sort of vote using a kind of a voting approach weighted approach we can figure out which the right one is but um, it doesn't necessarily know what it is but for example if you take a more traditional approach like the rule engine approach we could having got a picture of a bill for example we may have um we may be able to capture not just the things that the user wants such as the invoice number and date and the tax and total but also other things that can help us um 
realize that this is similar to other documents we've processed in the past. And that could be things like the postcode of the company, the phone number of the company, the VAT registration number of the company or the company number. Um, and if, if we can start seeing that those that VAT registration number has been seen a thousand times before, well, maybe it was a Vodafone invoice. And the system doesn't need to know it's Vodafone. It just needs to know that, well, we've seen this supplier before. And in the thousand other times we've seen it, this is always where we found the invoice number. And this is, you know, that kind of thing. So that's the sort of as close to a templating type background um, the system might use, but that's specifically in a rule engine type uh, kind of approach to solving the problem, which is a more traditional one. Then you have all of the other approaches, which may be different forms of machine learning, and they'll have clustering and, and they'll have different ways to try and solve the same problem. And ultimately, what you want to find is that they all generally agree, so that the rule engine thinks that this word is the invoice number, as do all of these other approaches that we use. So I'm thinking immediately that there are a couple of different challenges to this um, to this technology. First and foremost amongst them is uh, sort of basic handwriting, for example. Say if you, you get something and there's a note in the margin from a supplier um, saying, you know, credit for or thanks for the, this sort of thing. Um, is, is that a problem uh, that you have come across so far? Well, optical character recognition um, often will recognize text as handwritten, but only if it's quite clear. Mm. Um, in reality, bear in mind, um, handwritten notes on invoices are often missed by human, <laughs> uh, by humans as well, you know, uh, or they're misread. And actually, typewritten documents are often misread or misinterpreted or mistranscribed by humans too. What we do to alleviate some of that is if you have a handwritten note, typically that might oh, you've, let's say most of it was printed, but at the last minute they added in another uh, product that they were adding to the bill. Um, but you would expect all of the numbers to add up. So as well as the system capturing the key information that was written on the document or print, printed on the document, we also have all obviously lots of validation checks to say, well, look, you know, the net and the tax should add up to the total. And all of the line item nets should add up to the net total and all of the, you know, line item VAT amounts should add up to the total VAT. So there's lots of more straightforward arithmetic validation that can actually alleviate the issue of unusual notes or unusual sort of um, edge cases cropping up that might throw it off. Sure. And when you're looking at the development process of um, of auto entry, uh, you mentioned that you use a couple of different um, a couple of different technologies and ma- making sure that they're they're uh, agreeing with each other. Um, how was that decision made? That you know, I'm I'm going to use X, Y, and Z options, and they would they should roughly correlate together. Um, some of it is just good, you know, good educated guesses in some respects, um, and some of it is through research. So you can research what other people have tried to do. Uh, you try to identify your problem and identify similar problems that maybe other universities or other companies have tried to solve in the past. Uh, it might be a different context. It might be trying to verify other types of documents. It might be in financial services or it might be in some totally other context, loan origination, and people are trying to recognize certain things from documents. And then you, you draw comparisons. You say, well, actually, that's kind of similar to what we're trying to do here. Uh, and, and you watch and or you read how they got on and what approaches they took. And some of it is 
is shotgun approach. Some of it is, you know what, if we're going to use machine learning to try and solve these problems, well, look, you know, once we've done our feature engineering part of the problem, which is just breaking down the data that we have, well, let's let's throw to all the different types of machine learning algorithms that are out there. Let's try if it's, you know, scalar vector machines or, you know, linear regression or random forest, and we'll try them all, and some of them will work better than others. And we might find, actually, even within a document, some might work better with, you know, the tabular section of, you know, the line items of, of your bill, and others might work better with the header section or whatever it might be, or for certain fields that you're trying to capture. So some of it then is, is actually, well, try and see, trial and error. Uh, and then using, you know, the, the smarts of your engineering team to calibrate calibrate the data you have to so that the algorithms get the best out of it and calibrate what algorithms you're using and, and how you're using them to get the, the optimal outcome. So one of the things that we're seeing uh, when it comes to machine learning is the problem of choosing an interface. And uh, we're seeing an awful lot more that um, people are going with chatbots to create sort of, a, I guess, a more organic feeling interaction. I mean, if, if you're used to dealing with an accountant with this uh, kind of material, why not have a virtual accountant that will, you know, give out to you if something isn't clear? Um, where do you see the evolution of UX going for with the, with um, auto entry? Because, you know, common sense says, yeah, let's let's just grab the data out of here and make it as plain and digestible as possible. Um, when it comes to seeing the developments in UX, what what is sort of um, exciting you and going? Look, this is probably on our, ro- our product roadmap or should be. Well, I mean, there's lots of UX or user experience, how people interact and how and what their experience is using a given app is essentially what we're talking about. There is lots of technology out there that, in theory can radically change people's interaction with uh, with applications. So be that um, voice recognition is a prime example. So people are very familiar uh, depending on what phones they're using, but say they're using uh, Siri on their iPhone or whatever it might be. And they're able to ask Siri questions. And what that does is it recognizes the voice, it breaks it into words, and then it converts your voice into text essentially and then it uses sort of natural language processing or NLP to try and interpret what that information means so that it can then retrieve from its data store of information what the answer is likely to be that you're after um, so that's an example but the adoption rate isn't necessarily as as quick or as, or as uh, enormously impacted as as the concept of the of the technology or the UX um, sort of change itself, so people think that's amazing. No one needs a keyboard anymore, but the adoption rate of people actually using the voice recognition within things like their phone, as opposed to typing a text message, is still very slow. Um, so. UX will will improve over time. We could, for example, consider using voice recognition. We've we've th- I've thought about it myself at times, saying you know when you take a picture of of a receipt sometimes if it's uh if it's the first time that our that auto entry our system has maybe seen this supplier receipt or invoice you can take a picture but then maybe also record a message to say this was for petrol or this was for accommodation so that not only do we capture all the key information from the document and store the image of the source document so that you know for tax purposes and for regu- regulatory purposes but also we could we could capture their voice telling the system what type of expense account should this be categorized into so that it knows going forward 
But the reality of whether people will actually do that or whether they're happy just to select from a drop-down list. Mm-hmm. So that user experience choice, I think, will change over time, but it's probably going to be seen in broader consumer products earlier in the IoT sector, whether that's you know, your phone, for example. I think people's interaction with their phone is so high now, it's so many times a day, so many times an hour, that more it's more likely that that will be, that'll show inflection point when, when people are going to make the change in those UX ways. Um, and when we, as, as traditional app developers, might start engaging with it more. Because if people aren't going to use it for their phone, which they have to use all day long, or they use all the time, and they, use, they want to use it at inconvenient times, such as when they're driving or otherwise. Um, but if, if, that, if they had IoT devices in their clothes, Right, so in their, in the top of their zip on their jacket, if they have a an IoT device that connects with their phone, they can just t- t- talk while they're walking down the street and say, "Hey, call Brian," and it tells their phone to go and call Brian, and and they don't have to touch their phone, they don't have to interact with physically with the phone. I think when you see those sort of changes happening in in a more broad sense first, and it'll be led, I think, by those sort of high touch point consumer products like mobile phones then you'll start eventually when people realize in a, in a more mass oriented way that, that that type of experience is superior and they're comfortable with it and they've got used to it what will then happen is that you'll see people starting to demand it from other applications and they'll say well actually why do I why do I need to use this keyboard and why do I need to use my mouse why can't I just talk to my computer and tell it what to do it's the same thing, isn't it? It's the same thing as not having to touch my phone anymore. Hmm. Um, but those sort of experiences will change. I think um, in terms of the NLP type solutions, like the, the, the bots that you're talking about, the chat bots, that automate responses and there's no actual person on the other side, uh, they've just interpreted your question and they know from thousands of millions of other people maybe that asked similar questions how to respond to you best. Those sort of solutions will continue to exist. They're going to get much more prevalent, but they're probably going to get a bit slicker in how they're delivered. Um, currently, they tend to be delivered in such a way that they'll give you the best answer from their knowledge base, the best answer from their existing bank of FAQs on their website, that kind of thing. But I think what you're going to start seeing, and there's companies at it already, um, where they're going to start building multi-platform bots so that if you're engaging with your utility provider, you, you're, you have a problem with Vodafone, your phone's not working, whatever it might be that you have an issue with or it's your electricity bill or it's your gas, but whatever utility provider it is, people so often struggle to deal with their service desks and what you might start finding is that people can actually interact via bots so the bots are giving the right information back but not just on one channel because if you're on your laptop and you ask a question going oh my bill doesn't seem right this month um, can you help and then the bot says yeah sure um, what, is, what specifically is wrong with your bill is it do you think it's you know too much or whatever it might be let me bring up your bill first have a look that kind of thing but at the same time, sometimes if you say, look, the the amount is wrong on my bill, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I couldn't have spent that much last week or last month, the body isn't going to be able to correctly necessarily give you the answer. It may have to be escalated within the utility provider for, for someone to investigate your case. At which point, the response you're going to get on that is going to come an hour later, two hours later, a day later, who knows, 
by the time someone's actually investigated your query. But if it's in, a, in an hour's time or in a day's time, you're not on your computer, you're not logged onto their website, so the chat can't respond to you. So what you might find is over time, you'll find these chatbots interacting with you across multiple devices. So they'll, the chatbot will have taken your question maybe on your laptop when you ask them, but then it might respond to you on Twitter or it might respond to you in WhatsApp or it might respond to you by email or it might have an automated phone call where it automatically calls you and generates the answer to you in, a, in an automatically generated answer. Well, the danger um, there is always that um, there's no room to negotiate, really, when you when you compare it to a, a human customer service representative. Um, that's not. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the case, because in the same way that they, that you can use NLP and machine learning in the background to decide, well, this is the question, this is the best answer. If the question happens to be any chance of a discount, there's nothing to say that the machine learning bot in the background can't learn that, you know, okay, um, we, in fact, it'll probably be much more efficient than humans. Human might say, might randomly choose a, a number and say, yeah, okay, well, you know, if you buy today, I can give you 10% hmm. off. But a bot might actually realize over time that the most optimal amount to give off is 6%. And actually, if we offer 6%, we'll still get vast majority of people to close on the day and we don't have to give away the extra four. Sure. And so it might actually get better. And it will be able to offer discounts. It will be able to negotiate. There's no reason why it, it shouldn't be able to. And that was Brendan Woods from Auto Entry, which you can download now from the App Store and Google Play. That's almost our show for this week. The programme is supported by irishjobs.ie. For the latest jobs from IT recruiters, visit techcentral.ie forward slash jobs. That address again, techcentral.ie forward slash jobs. The whole thing powered by our good friends at irishjobs.ie. Remember, you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates and daily newsletters and even more from our website at techcentral.ie or listen to us each week online or Fridays at 5pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. So next time, from myself to Stuart, thanks so much for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.